Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, Spaces, another Twitter Spaces Cardinals Prospect Q&A, the Prospect Macarena. Uh, I am your host. I am Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black and uh, Prospects After Dark. Uh, I guess we have another another week in the books on the farm for the St. Louis Cardinals, and that uh, we have plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, in addition to all of the Norman Nolan Gorman hubbub, in addition to all of the Moises Gomez hubbub. Um, we just have an entire week worth of uh, baseball in the minor leagues for the St. Louis Cardinals to uh, get excited about. Um, as I say that, of course, naturally Memphis fires up. Memphis has been in rain delay uh, for the last hour or so. And uh, I need to mute that because now it's coming through. It looks like Memphis is about ready to get underway. Now, it was interesting. Uh, Zach Thompson was on the mound before the rain delay, and he was pitching really well. And it looks like he's going to be out of the game. I can see Tommy Parsons walking from the bullpen to the dugout, which is a bummer because Zach Thompson was pitching really well uh, once again. Now, on Tuesday during the day, he pitched against Durham and pitched lights out. It was beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And then in his two innings of play, or his two innings today for Memphis before the rain came, he he pitched really well. He let up a triple to Vidal Bruhan, hung a curveball. Vidal Bruhan uh, smoked it, and he wasn't helped out by some bad defense by Ben Deluzio. Uh, ben Deluzio dove, tried to make a great play, got by him. That's part of the reason why Bruhan got a triple instead of a double out of the hanging breaking pitch. But then uh, Thompson threw a wild pitch past Clint Coulter, who's not exactly the best defensive catcher in the organization, uh, more of a DH. Um, first base corner outfield type at this point, but he throws the ball by Coulter. Uh, Vidal Bruhan scores, and other than that, that's the only real damage that Zach Thompson let up in those two uh, two innings today. But when you go back to all of Zach Thompson's starts, he's probably been uh, one of the biggest bright spots so far in the St. Louis Cardinals season. Uh, at least down on the farm, that is. Now, again, I would remind everybody as you come into the Prospect Macarena. Uh, that this is a Q&A. So, uh, you know, we invite you, uh, we invite you to uh, uh, take part in prospects, uh, the, the prospect Macarena. Uh, if not, then I'll just do what we keep doing and I'll just keep ranting and ranting. Uh, it's not like there isn't a ton of stuff to go over. Again, we saw another great start out of Matthew Libertor. Again, not, not, you know, it's going to be, unless you guys want to talk about it, unless you guys ask the questions, it's not going to be for me to uh, like get super excited and and want to talk so much about the prospects that everybody else wants to talk about. So specifically like Nolan Gorman, Moises Gomez. Now I will gladly talk about it if that's what you want to talk about. Uh, but for me, like I, I want to talk about some other guys. You know, Connor Lund was really interesting today. The uh, 11th, 11th round draft pick from 2019 out of USC, more of a command pitcher. Uh, watching Connor Lund today pitch for Springfield was really impressive. He didn't have his best stuff. He and by the third inning he had let up five, walked one, and he, you know, he just didn't have it. But he loads the bases in the third, uh, gets two weak flyouts, and then a ground out to end the inning, leave the bases loaded. You know, it's one of those things where you look at the stat sheet and it's not impressive. I think he might have only struck out three on the day, um, but it was a really gutsy performance. It was awesome to see someone like Connor Lunn, uh, and an eleventh round draft pick in particular, who has probably been Springfield's best starter so far this year. 
Um, it was awesome to see him battle his way through a start and have positive results in the process. Uh, Springfield's bullpen pitched particularly well, too, which is something that hasn't happened very often. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, uh, I, I love talking about the big names. I love talking about the uh, small names. Ah, yes, names. But uh, again, just if anyone has any questions, I would love to field them this way. We did this last week and we had all kinds of great participation. And, uh, you know, I loved it. Try to stump me. Try to beat me. You know, I'm kind of a moron. So I, I would love the opportunity to just talk with you. Don't be scared to ask a question. You know, I, I can see the people who are in here and you're all very intelligent people who I talk with on a regular basis. Uh, you know, let's have some fun. Uh, you know, another thing going on at Peoria right now. Uh, you know, they had another really interesting start out of Michael McGreevy. Now, the fun thing as the season progresses, we're starting to see pitchers pitch twice in the same week for the first time. Remember, at the minor league level, uh, at the minor league level, Monday is an off day almost always for every level at the minor leagues. So uh, because of that, uh, a lot of guys won't get their normal pitching on, you know, every fifth day. They usually have a day built in and once every five weeks they get to uh, start twice. So this was the first time Michael McGreevy started twice. The first time Zach Thompson was going to start twice and he got two innings in. Uh, and same with Connor Lawn. The first time Connor Lawn had started twice in the week. So it's been interesting to watch some uh, uh, uneven um, results so far as guys start to, uh, you know, pitch twice in a week. Now, we have our first question from one of my favorite people uh, on earth. Uh, his name is uh, uh, his name is Adam. His last name is Butler, and uh, I have added him to a speaker. So, Adam, I, it says that you're muted. You might have to unmute yourself. And uh, what you got, my friend? Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me all right? Oh, my God, you sound great. I can hear you. All right. Hey, it's not exactly a small name, at least not this season, but yeah. my question was about Moises Gomez. You know, you've seen the way the Cardinals have operated recently, and it's almost like if you can't play strong defense, you're kind of just – they don't really find a place for you. So I was wondering what, what you see with him, if he has actually unlocked something in his, with his offense. You know, is he probably a trade piece, or do you think that's someone that might actually move up through the system? You know, Adam, uh, first off, again, thank you for asking the question. Um, you know, Moises Gomez has been so much fun to watch and try to figure out. I watched very little of him last year. You know, once the Cardinals signed him as a minor league free agent, I think at that point, uh, MILB had not archived their 2021 season, so I had gone back and watched some of them. He looked a little pudgy uh, compared to how he looks this year. And, you know, he I would say he was less relaxed with his swing. Like, he was a little bit more fidgety in the box, and he was just swinging at everything. And I guess the first thing that I noticed about him this year is he was a little bit more patient. He's still an aggressive swinger, but he was still a little bit more patient at the plate. And one thing I noticed too is he didn't have the ability to make contact with breaking pitches. It kind of had like the jag effect. Like in, in 2018, when the Cardinals had Jose Adeliz Garcia down at Memphis, he was hitting a ton of home runs, but he was striking out all the time. And then he went on to a run in uh, uh, August of that year where he just was, was amazing. And that might've been 2019. Now that I think about it, I can't keep it all straight, but uh, anyways, it was, but for a large portion of the season, he just couldn't hit breaking balls. And then he went breaking ball hunting and was one of the, the most deadly 
power hitters in the Cardinals organization that year. Again, now I think it's 2019. I don't know if it was 2018. And it was kind of the same thing early on with Moises Gomez. He had an approach, and the approach was kind of, I'm going to look to turn on a fastball in, but I know I'm going to get breaking pitches more than I'm going to get fastballs. And he was just hitting everything. And because he knew a breaking pitch was coming, he could open up his zone a little bit. He could get really aggressive on that outside corner. And he, you know, he was covering a lot of ground. And then at the same time, he had shortened his swing a little bit when it came to two strike counts, right? Hitting in uh, hitting defensively and with the pitch in pitchers counts. And all of that was working really well. What's been really fun to watch uh, and kind of in a negative way, not fun to watch, but one thing that's been fun to observe is in at bats now, uh, the way that he was attacked this this week in particular, we saw him getting a lot of sliders on the outside corner early in counts. And if he, you know, he still did damage this week. He still had two home runs. He still had a bunch of extra base hits. But what we saw is if he gets one strike on him, then he automatically, I guess because he, he's still in the mind frame that I can hit any breaking ball that they throw at me if I'm looking for a breaking ball and they throw it to me, you would see him expand his own and swing and miss a lot of that, that second strike slider. And one of the things that has that was clear almost from the beginning of the season is that high heat he struggles with. Now, I believe it's because he's hunting sliders or hunting breaking pitches. Uh, and, and when you throw the high heat, you know, you're kind of catching him off guard. But what would happen is he he chase that second strike uh, breaking pitch and then get beat high with the fastball, which is kind of something similar that happened to um, Edmundo Sosa, uh, you know, two different types of hitters. Sosa doesn't have that raw power that Gomez has, but like, that's how uh, Edmundo Sosa got attacked at the minor league level. And now we're starting to see major league pitchers attack him that way. So all of this is just to say, I do think that they've unlocked something. It's just now, the adjustment comes in. How will he adjust? How quickly will he adjust to everything? And uh, how easy will the adjustment come? And, you know, at the same time, double-A pitchers aren't exactly the best about going up and in. Uh, You know, a lot of these guys don't have great command in the first place, so they're kind of pulled away from going up and in, which works in Gomez's favor. Uh, But how many of them are going to feel comfortable uh, challenging Gomez with a high fastball, where if you don't hit it, uh, if you don't hit your spot perfectly, he's going to hit it out of the country. So uh, that's that's my observations. Now, out in the outfield really quick, he's a really, you know, he's not, he doesn't have like a prototypical super athletic body, uh, but he gets around pretty well out in right field. He has a really strong arm. Like it's not, it's not top tier, you know, it's not Jag. It's not some of these other guys, uh, but it's really great. And uh, he's he's been really good. He's He's been picked off a of first base three times which is a really interesting thing. Uh, you know, I, it's a dumb thing, but it's a really interesting thing to kind of watch uh, and keep an eye on because he's still stolen a base or two. He's still a solid base runner. He's just veering off of first base a little bit. So, uh, you know, the rant here is just to say, I think that he's unlocked something. And I think now the question is, how will he adjust to how he's being worked uh, in an aggressive manner? And uh, I don't know, Adam, what, what do you think? Does that, does that answer your question? as your microphone's on mute again. Yeah. Anyways, so that's all I got uh, with Moises Gomez there. I'm sure we'll talk about again. Adam Butler at Lance Dance 1. You're one of my favorites. I'm removing you from speaker. Uh, and then I'm going to go to uh, to Quinn. Quinn, uh, Quinn at Quinn STL Cards. I am adding you as a speaker. Quinn, you're a, you're a sweetheart. 
I would uh, love to know what your question is. You'll have to unmute yourself. Hey, what's and then up? Real fast, before we get to you, Quinn, I just want to say, Cardinals chat, you're next in line, and we can't wait to get to you. What do you got, Quinn? How are you, bud? Hey, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good. I got a couple questions. I'm a lot better since the Cardinals actually came back today. Um, so, Me too. a couple things. Uh, just first of all, what is going on with Trajan Fletcher? Like, I've heard nothing about him. Like, where is he? Mm. Like, Okay, yeah, so Trey Fletcher is down at the complex. Uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a group of 100-something kids or whatever that are down at the complex. And, uh, you know, a lot of – we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but a lot of the teenaged, very raw prospects are still there. Like, Markevian Hentz is still down there. Uh, Winbin Cho is still down there. Uh, I believe Felix Tavares is stateside down there. I'm not 100% sure. He might be playing, you know, the Dominican facility. Uh, but, yeah, like, Luis Pino – a large portion of those highly thought of Malcolm or uh, Malcolm, I did it again. Edwin Nunez, the big righty. A lot of those guys are at the complex league, uh, working out, uh, getting live at bats, doing some scrimmaging, uh, getting ready for the complex season to start. And I believe that's mid June. And I've been meaning to check uh, because all of that's changed since uh, minor league contraction. Uh, and as far as like the news coming out of Trajan Fletcher, the truth is there isn't a whole lot of news. Uh, you know, there isn't a whole lot to say. He he has he has a lot to learn. You know, he there's a whole area for him to grow. And he's just like any other 20 or 21-year-old with immense talent. That, that talent isn't going to go away. It's just how to practically apply it, uh, how to stay dedicated to the practical application of it. And, uh, you know, he was so raw when the Cardinals drafted him, you know. When you, when you go back to that draft, when the Cardinals drafted him in the second round, there was all that talk about how he would be potentially, um, you know, uh, a first, the, a top five or top ten pick of the next year. But he reclassified to get in early to get that bonus or whatever his reason was. And the Cardinals jumped on an opportunity to get a first round talent in the second round uh, with, you know, while expanding their bonus pool. And you know, because of how raw he was, he was always going to take a little bit more time. So we see this 2021 year old who hasn't played uh, at a, you know, in an affiliated full season level yet. And there's concern there. Uh, and there definitely should be concern at this point. You would think as long as he's been in the system, even with COVID uh, that he would have made uh, a Palm beach debut at this point, uh, one way or the other, but he just hasn't. And uh, I think that, I think it maybe says that maybe confirms some of, some of our thoughts that he just isn't ready yet. That doesn't mean he'll never be ready. It just means he's not ready yet. Uh, and that, you know, baseball's a really tough sport and having athleticism uh, oozing out of your ears only gets you so far. Uh, what's up next, Quinn? What you got? Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah. Cause especially like, I guess with the 40 teams getting removed, uh, losing Johnson city and state college, like there's like even less news out about, about lower level prospects nowadays and also yeah. with all the restrictions of the last couple of years. So yeah, that answered my question. That makes sense. Also. Um, so what do you think the plan is in the near future with Mason Wynn? Like you mm -hmm. think, I mean, as good as he's been hitting, like that's certainly like, like I'm sure they want to, I'm sure he's one of their highly th uh, taught, highly thought of prospects like highly touted prospects and he's been hitting good like so you think he probably has like a set promotion date that they'll like that he'll like they have a set date that they plan on sending him up and also like will he be pitching ever again uh, like just 
in general with him. Yeah, we'll start with the pitching first, if you don't mind, Quinn. You know, I, I think we're at the point with him now where if he's pitching, that means he's at his fallback. It means that he hasn't um, hit all of the milestones that they wanted to as a hitter. And it's like, all right, uh, now it's time to commit this kid back to pitching because his arm is good enough and he's going to be a, a very powerful bullpen option for the major league club. I think, you know, right now he's not uh, he's not focusing on pitching at all. And I think that that gives us an indication that that the the hitter version of Mason Wynn is basically the only version that we're going to see until we, you know, until he fails, which as we're seeing from the, for the first time, because it's the first time that we've seen uh, Mason Wynn focus solely on hitting and fielding his position, that there's nothing but positive there. Like he's, he's taken to it. They've said, all right, Mason, here it is. Uh, you're our shortstop. You have the potential to be the shortstop of the future. And uh, all you got to do is run with it. And he's running with it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Again, uh, as far as when his promotion is, you know, I don't know what to think about him in particular. You know, the, the jump from, from A to double A has always been considered one of the highest, one of the toughest, uh, rather. And I think that we're still learning and adjusting to exactly what the promotional bump is to level from level to level coming out of the lost 2020 season. You know, I've heard, I've talked to people that have said, you know, all the stats last year from AAA to, uh, to high A, you got to throw out the window. Assignments last year, you have to throw out the window. Uh, guys coming off of uh, the lost 2020 season with diminished velocity, uh, obvious command issues, uh, power prospects who could not reach power. Uh, and then, you know, you have AAA hitting home runs out the wazoo. Um, it's tough to really gauge what the talent level is at each level as compared to how it was prior to COVID. So uh, if, if the past is any indication, then the highest prospects always seem to have a date uh, attached to them when they get the promotion. Um, you know, Jordan Walker had kind of a date. Nolan Gorman has had kind of a date for many, many years. Uh, my, I would suspect that if Mason Wynn keeps hitting, that that date will probably be around what would be the all-star break if, there was a minor league all-star break built in right now. There's a break built in, but there's not like an all-star game at this point at any of the levels. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's then. But I also think with Mason in particular, because this is his first time fully committed to being a position player and a hitter, I think it makes sense to maybe back it off, be a little bit more careful with him. Because, uh, you know, you want him you want him to keep hitting. You want him to feel good. And But at the same time, if he keeps hitting this way, it's just like the conversation we're having with, with Nolan Gorman at the Major League level. If he keeps hitting this way, you know, uh, not only getting infield singles, which he can do because he's a burner, not only getting infield singles, but also driving the ball to the gaps, uh, you know, hitting doubles off the wall, your occasional home run here and there, while continuing to play like a really good defensive shortstop and showing off that arm, you know, the best arm in all of baseball right now from an infielder. I wouldn't see any reason why. Uh, you can't keep that, you know, you, you would be afraid to push that up a level. You know, De Delvin Perez had shown some good signs at double-A. Uh, you go to AAA, Evan Mendoza and Kramer Robertson have shown some good signs at shortstop at AAA. Uh, Mendoza in particular, uh, defensively Robertson in particular, but it's there's nothing that should stop Mason Wynn from getting moved up when it's time to move him up. Uh, does that help, Quinn? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, if you're slugging six fourteen, uh, you can probably get by without pitching for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm with you, bud. Nice. All right. Well, if uh, if you don't have anything else, then I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye. I'm gonna tell you thank you. But if you do, you have anything else? No, that's all I got. Thank you well, for answering that. Oh, you're awesome, Quinn. No, it's my pleasure. Uh, you know, kick it around, and if you have anything else, feel free to to jump on in. I love it. You had some great questions. Uh, I'm gonna remove you from speaker, and then we are gonna go to uh, Cardinals chat. I'm gonna add as a speaker, and at the same time, I'm gonna tell Ethan Griffith uh, that he's up next. Uh, cards chat how are you i'm good how are you i'm doing really well man it's nice to talk yeah it's good talking to you my question is on palm beach's starter today jose moreno i know nothing about him is there anything i need to know about him i see he's off to a one era to start the year so yeah they've they've had some good pitching down there at palm beach uh you know he and inohan paniagua have uh have been really interesting so uh if when we did the dirty flirty last year uh, I, I ended up covering about 99 prospects, and Moreno is one of the prospects I covered. Uh, it was, it was again, all of those in the, the shrine where we did the shrine to pitchers, the shrine to hitters. It was just a quick little rundown over at Birds on the Black. Uh, Moreno was one of those guys. And he, it's a, you know, it's a story as old as time, and it always seems to really click with the younger Caribbean kids. Uh, but He's he has a really good slider and a really good fastball, a fastball that explodes out of his hand. He comes out of kind of a weird arm angle, uh, but he has command issues. You know, even like in a hand, Paniagua, who I was a big fan of last year, uh, Paniagua uh, had command issues. And it seems like Paniagua's put on a little bit of weight uh, and and he's that's allowed him to control his body a little bit better, repeat his mechanics a little bit better. Now, Moreno's a bigger kid, like a, a, a not stockier, but. You know, just he has a little bit more muscle, a little bit more body on his frame. And uh, I do think and I might have I might have tweeted it or written about it at the time. But I think Moreno is is the kind of kid who if he can, you know, adjust his command here and there, even though he's starting pitching now, I can envision a situation where, yeah, again, with just a little bit extra command, he becomes something like Freddie Pacheco. Uh, that's a huge ask because, you know, Freddie Pacheco is pitching out of the bullpen. He's not striking out as many this year as he did last year, but he's demonstrating better command. You know, he's not striking out 43% of batters, but he's commanding the ball better and still trying to figure it all out. So while, uh, you know, Jose Marino, Moreno isn't one of the more highly thought of or highly touted arms in the organization, you know, he, uh, Paniagua, um, Ludwin Jimenez, who's more lefty with, or uh, who's more uh, fastball change up than anything else. Uh, they're all they're all project pitchers who don't really have. Although Paniagua has come a long way with his third offering, they don't have really a defined third offering just yet, uh, and and that might be what ends up holding them back just a little bit. But no, he's again, you know, the Cardinals have done pretty well over the years with their international signings that didn't cost them all that much money. And I believe Moreno is one of those guys. I don't, but you know, I don't believe that there was a a, a huge number attached to uh moreno when they when they signed him so uh yeah i does i know that's kind of um you know specifically with with uh, you know with the caribbean kids it, it always seems like there's a generic um default there you know you, you might it, you know it's hard sometimes to really differentiate what i'm saying or uh but did, does that kind of uh go over the the gist of jose moreno Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, just kind of looking at box scores and seeing a one ERA next to a guy throwing five innings in a game is definitely something that catches your eye, even if it is at Palm Beach. So, yeah, definitely answer my question. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, Do you have anything else? Any other thoughts or any other ideas? That is it. Thanks so much.
my pleasure. I'll, I'll do a little bit more research. And uh, the next time we'll try to keep like a running tab on Jose Moreno and, uh, and, and stay updated on it. How does that sound? Sounds good. I love it. All right. Well, thank you for the question. Uh, and it was a pleasure talking with you. I'm going to remove you from speaker and we are going to go to uh, Ethan Griffiths. Uh, I am adding you as a speaker, Ethan. Uh, there's a good chance this thing will mute your mic when you are ready to talk. And uh, go ahead and give it to us if you're ready. Hey, Kyle, can you hear me? I can hear you, Ethan. What's awesome, up, bud? Awesome, man. Awesome. I really appreciate what you're doing. This is really awesome and a really fun thing to listen to. Uh, no, I'm glad. Hey, thank you. It means the world to me that you're listening. Uh, again, I like not to uh, not to hijack your question real fast, but it's it's exciting for me to actually get to talk it out with people instead of you know prospects after dark where everything is frantic and that's kind of the idea of it, and also the 280 character limit. So uh, thank you for being a part of it. Yeah, man. of course. So um, I think the two people I had the biggest question about, I think. Uh, you've probably seen them enough now, but uh, Michael McGreevy and Gordon Graceffo. I know you were, yeah. you've been really high on Graceffo, and we got really lucky watching them start back to back double headers. So that was a really cool thing to see. And uh, I appreciate you talking me into buying uh, MILB TV because I got to watch it myself. Awesome. But um, I guess let, we could start with Graceffo because I know you really like him a lot. Um, what was it that you saw in him that maybe uh, like mainstream prospect followers didn't really see in Graceffo? And is that what you saw in him? Is that what's led to all the success that he's had so far? Yeah. Well, with Graceffo in particular, right. Um, when I first, you know, I try to do as much draft research as I can, but just like, just like you would suspect, I'm not employed by the Cardinals. I'm not employed by a scouting service. Uh, I spend most of my time doing minor league baseball. When I'm not doing minor league baseball, I'm running a construction crew. So I don't have, I don't have the ability to like be 500 names deep on the top 500 prospects, uh, draft prospects. So as the Cardinals with their fourth round pick, uh, uh, select Zane, uh, uh, Zane Mills, I'm researching him right away. I knew the name, uh, researching him right away, trying to find out as much as I can, making my own opinion. They, they drafted Gordon Graceffo, and I had heard the name, but it was a name that I was dismissive of. Uh, and I think part of the reason I was dismissive is as I was doing quick research early on, I was like, okay, uh, you know, righty, fastball changeup, uh, not a defined third offering. I'm always kind of leery about fastball changeup, if that's, even though it can be really good, I guess. Because of Luke Weaver and Michael Waka, I've got in the back of my head that you have to have a defined breaking pitch in order to be successful at the major leagues, even if you only have two pitches. So I was, I was kind of like, all right, low 90s, Villanova, uh, you know, whatever. And, and then I started watching a bunch of his, his video. And, you know, he has a bit of a funky delivery, which I think turns people off. But it's something that I like because, you know, his, his, the funk in his delivery is all his lower body. He keeps his hands low and he steps directly back and he's really quick about those motions. But when he gets his leg up, he's in a typical pitcher's stance, uh, a typical pitcher's motion. And he has a pretty traditional um, finish at that point. So, you know, one of those concerns that people had uh, kind of went right out the window for me. I, I thought, oh, wait, this all this is a little quirk. It's nothing that's that's not repeatable. It's nothing that's going to uh, 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 impair him in the long run. And then 
I saw the arm angle. I saw the arm speed. And I thought, oh, wait, this is more than just fastball changeup. This is repeatable mechanics, repeatable arm angle, uh, and dropping a fastball and changeup that kind of moves similarly, but at different speeds. And then I, I was like, all right, well, we have to dig into the breaking pitch. So uh, I dug into the breaking pitch, and he was throwing a slider and a curveball. And the slider, I thought, again, my I thought was getting super underrated. Uh, I, I saw the slider and I thought, oh, wait, that's a major league caliber pitch. Like it's not it's not consistent enough, uh, but it has the chance to be a major league caliber third offering. Um, I, you know, to be candid, I always thought Waka had a chance to have a major league caliber curveball and he would flash it every once in a while. But it just like he couldn't commit to it or throw it enough regularly. And, you know, so to, again, to go back a little further, I went back and watched as much of Michael Waka as I could prior to that draft just to see what the change or the curveball looked like, just to remind myself what the curveball looked like. And in my estimation, I thought Graceffo's slider uh, was better than Waka's curveball at kind of the same point. And then when you start reading about Graceffo, you would read, wait, you'd read, uh, hasn't let up a home run. You'd read, he walked 13 people. Uh, and then you, you'd see that uh, not only, you know, in addition to that, the, the uh, only walking 13 and not letting up a home run, you would start to see reports that, oh, he hit 97. But it was never from one of the outlets, right? It was always from somebody uh, who just decided to film a Villanova game uh, at Villanova. And it was, it was like, oh, wait, so this kid is actually coming off of COVID. Now, he was, he was a standout in uh, the Cape Cod League. But he uh, coming off of COVID, everything was getting progressively better as the season went on. And it felt to me like the kind of guy who – if, you know, maybe COVID wouldn't have hit that he would have had that 97 present early, you know, a 97 mile an hour heat present early in the, the year. And that would have that would have he would have gone way up the boards if that would have been the case. Uh, you know, so that's that's why that's why I was in on Graceffo. I thought it was repeatable. I thought it was easy. I thought he was getting to more velocity. And, you know, when we say velocity, we talk about fastball velocity. But that, that tracks across the board. You know, uh, Zach Thompson is a perfect example. Last year, he was throwing 87-89. And then his curveball was only like 69-70. Uh, this year, his fastball is 96. And lo and behold, his curveball is 73-74, you know, getting up to 76 sometimes, which makes it that much harder to hit. And that was, you know, that's kind of what's happened with Graceffo, too. All of his stuff is playing up. His, his changeup has more tumble because it's faster. Uh, and, and it has more tumble and it's faster, rather. Uh, his fastball has more life on it. Um, it you know, his, his slider seems to have more life. He's not throwing the big curveball all that often. Uh, I mean, I think I've only seen it twice. He's probably thrown it more than that. But that even seems more lively. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of the things that, that, you know, again, not to pat myself on the back, but I do think a lot of the things that I had pinpointed uh, have really served him well. I will say that... I, I do want to see him throw the breaking pitches more at high A before he eventually gets a promotion to double A. Because right now, he's mostly getting away with the fastball changeup combo. Uh, because, I mean, honestly, his fastball is so good that I, I think his fastball you could almost throw 90% of the time to high A and not have to worry about much hard count. Yeah, that was definitely going to be my follow up question because it seemed like he was really just going fastball changeup and. Uh, to me personally, it seems like he just can just play off that fastball because there aren't a lot of guys at high that can hit a fastball like that. So uh, yeah. hopefully he 
continues to put together the off-speed stuff and moves up here shortly. Or not shortly, but um, we'll get a chance maybe to move up this year. Um, I guess we can go on to McGreevy next. So I know I'll I'll say it for you, and I'm sure you'll repeat it. I know it's not that you didn't like the McGreevy pick uh, last yeah. year, but it was you thought that there were some people ahead of him that were better. Um, has he done things to make you feel like you were wrong about your original thoughts? Because I know he's pitched really well. Um, so what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, I'm glad. I love that you went in that direction. I cannot tell you how much I, I, I like personally, I, I love that question. I appreciate that question so much. Uh, yeah. So you covered the first part. What I'll say is when I watched him and now he, you know, he went to the school where it wasn't easy to find a ton of like behind pitcher camera angles. And I guess because my mind is so used to that, that I don't have as good of uh, an eye for the things I'm looking for if I'm looking behind the catcher as opposed to behind the pitcher. So it was about trying to find as much of that as I could, and there wasn't a lot of it. And what I saw was, again, not to be, not to like harp on it, but I saw a control pitcher, not a command pitcher. Uh, and, you know, I had some concerns about his velocity. Um, and I never appreciated the arm speed that he threw with because of that angle. It wasn't until we started seeing him pitch at Palm Beach last year and Palm Beach's Twitter account would post video where I was like, oh, wait, that's elite arm speed. And he works quick and he doesn't screw around. And then this year, what's really stood out to me about him, uh, more so than anything else, is while I, w I, I stand by that he was more of a control pitcher last year, where, you know, he would just, he'd live inside the strike zone. That doesn't necessarily mean that he would hit the glove. He would just throw strikes. Uh, and, you know, uh, because his stuff was lively, whether it be the big breaking curveball or the fastball or the slider uh, in particular, um, because his slider can be really lively too. And it's been really cool to see him throw it a little bit more. Uh, but what he would do is he'd be able to get away with just throwing strikes and living in the strike zone to hitters that, you know, that was just his stuff was just too much for them. Uh, but what we've seen specifically, and not today, he was not himself today. Um, but what we've seen specifically out of him is he hits his spots. He does not screw around. Like, uh, and it's, it's better than maybe anybody I've seen uh, in the Cardinals organization in a very long time. You know, I, uh, not to be, there was, there was a time when Luke Weaver and people might not believe this, but there was a time when Luke Weaver never missed his spot. It didn't matter where, where the catcher set up or where the catcher asked for it. Uh, even if it was his crappy third offering, it, he, he never missed his spot with his fastball and his changeup. And that's kind of how it is with McGreevy. Like, again, this was the first time that McGreevy has had a two start week, um, you know, which, you know, he's on regular rest instead of having that day off on Monday. So I think that's part of the reason why maybe he didn't have, uh, you know, his pinpoint accuracy today. But he was commanding the zone pretty well everywhere. And that was, uh, you know, all, all season until this last start. And that's, that's incredible. Um, his fastball got dinged around a little bit today. Again, my guess is it didn't have the life on it. His arm wasn't as rested. But, yeah, like I, I would say that the two things that really stand out to me uh, that have made me more of a believer than what I was, although – you know, we talk about Graceffo, we could talk about McGreevy, we talk about promotions. I, I think that Graceffo has a better chance of being successful at the next level right now than McGreevy because I think McGreevy kind of hangs his breaking pitches a little bit too much. And I worry about the life on the fastball where I'm not as worried about the life of the fastball and Graceffo. Uh, I think they'll both be good when they get to double A, but I don't think that we'll see full throttle McGreevy until maybe next year at double A or towards the end of this year at double A, depending on when they get there. 
but yeah, so for me, like the the potential and consistent pinpoint command to go with that elite arm speed, uh, and also the the fact that he doesn't screw around. You know, he just he gets the ball, he throws it. He gets the ball, he throws it, and he's super athletic. Uh, we saw him make a great defensive play today. I didn't realize quite how athletic he was. I know that when he was a prep player, uh, he played shortstop. Like, I knew that. I just I didn't realize how how athletic he was for his body. He's well put together. You know, you, you can see the workhorse potential out of him. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I'll be honest. If, if, I were, if I were re-ranking, I'd probably move him up the ranks a little bit. Uh, but I, I also don't think he's quite ready for double-A even though he has like a sparkling stat line uh, as it is. Yeah. And so, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but let's, we can get away from like the over analytical and just for fun. Uh, if you had to pick, which one do you think goes to double A first? And I'll hold you to this whenever it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, I'll say Graceffo. I'll say Graceffo gets it first. Okay. But, you know, and not just not just because of my own personal beliefs, not because that's the way that I would go. I just think one of them has been pretty dominant and the other one like they've been they've both been pretty dominant. But one's done it while striking a lot of people out and the other one hasn't. Uh, you know, I, I do think right now McGreevy's third offering is better than Graceffo's third offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think and we've talked about this, too. My worry with Graceffo uh, is the same worry that I had when Ryan Helsley got moved to AAA from AA, and it seemed like he was on a trajectory for the bullpen, when I, you know, personally, I've always viewed him as a starting pitcher. And, of course, you know, now what do we see today? We see 103 on the gun and him making every batter he's faced this year look like a fool out of the bullpen. And while, I, you know, I'll stand, I'll stand here and say I still think he'd be a great starting pitching option somewhere down the road. Uh, if he keeps pitching like this, it'll never happen because – He'll be closing out games or while being the fireman uh, and allowing Giovanni Gallegos to maybe have a more appropriate uh, role for what his stuff is. But, you know, I, yeah, so that's that that's that's my concern. And I also think that if the Cardinals have any inclination that Graceffo is going to be a bullpen in the long term, they might be a little bit more aggressive about moving him to see how his stuff plays at the next level. Yeah, awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I, I do have another question if you don't have anyone else, but I'll. Definitely hop off here if there's someone else waiting in line behind me. No, no, I love this. So uh, right now you're the only person in the queue. Before we get to your next question, I'll just remind everybody uh, that this is the moment where I am taking questions. As I see Derek Iowa neck in here, I'm actually taking questions. Uh, So if you have a question, uh, please bring it in. In the meantime, Ethan, the floor is yours. All right. um, Someone else that I feel like hasn't been talked about a lot um, other than probably you. Uh, is Malcolm Nunez. I've actually, now that I've actually gotten to see him play um, on MILB TV, he has really surprised me with his eye. Um, I didn't think that was something that he always had, um, but mm-hmm. I, I can't say that for sure because it's not like I've been following him forever. I just remember you mentioning him and Jan Torres together a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but um, he his eye really impressed me, and uh, he looks like someone that you know, you think it's just going to hit bombs, but he seems to have a way better contact tool than I ever would have guessed just looking at him and uh, thinking about how he was as a prospect when you were first talking about him. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's an, an interesting guy to watch, right? Because for me, at least when I watch him, he doesn't fit into any category. He uh, He's kind of like his own thing. He He doesn't look like he'd be a good fielder, 
but he's like minor league average at third and like, you know, probably below average at first so far because he's only played there a little bit. But he can like he can handle his own. He has a really great arm. But when you watch him, you're like, what even is this player? What is this? this mold what is this physique you know it's uh yeah. it's so it's so weird and then he's got these like little choppy steps you know he's he's pretty quick for his size uh but he he takes these like little choppy steps and he takes little choppy steps in the field and that messes with your head too you're like how do i evaluate this like what is this uh but then then again you know you watch him at bat and i think part of the reason why there might be a stigma with him about his ability to uh, you know recognize pitches is all the way back, and I guess at this point it would have been 2019, both he and Jan Torres had like a little taste of Peoria before they got sent back down to Johnson City uh, once the short season level started. And if I'm remembering correctly, both of those guys looked really bad. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was a rough stretch for both of them. I do remember that. Yeah, and I think I think they were both free swinging. Uh, and they were both just overmatched. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm also remembering correctly, Nunez dealt with some back problems at Johnson City that year, uh, back and neck problems, and he never he never really got it going. He was still really good, but he wasn't that uh, what he was the year before, which was record-setting, triple crown winner at the level he was at. So uh, I think that that's part of the reason why the stigma comes with him. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you bring him up because he's kind of one of those prospects caught in the middle of the really promising kids far away and the, the, the high-end talent that's at the major league level because he is a hitter. The, the one thing about him is he's just going to – he's going to hit. He's going to – you know, he, he takes a good strong at bat. He'll see a bunch of pitches. He'll, he'll go with whatever he's given. He's, he's just a really impressive bat. And, again, I don't know what that means when you compare it with his current athleticism and you project it out to a projected athleticism, but I know that it's just – watching him hit is a pleasure – um, even, you know, and he even has power that he can get to, but he hasn't quite gotten to it fully, but yeah, no, he, he's a stick, he's a stick and I don't know what the rest is, but I do think that his bat has the potential to play. He's like a choppy stepping Randy or Rosarena, uh, in a way, yeah. you know, if maybe, maybe if we can get him on a 200 push up chicken and rice <laughs> diet, then we can get him up to the major leagues as a first baseman, third baseman DH. Style. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. Cause you see that bat to ball skill and then you see like you expect the power just because you see his physique and it's really, I mean, he will probably eventually get to it in some form, but uh, it's, it's not exactly what you expect when you're first looking at him, but he's been one of the uh, prospects that I've really actually loved to watch his at-bats. Yeah. They're kind of unique. So if if I can ask you, like what about the at-bats really stick out to you? Um, I don't know. It's just, he seems to always have a pretty solid eye. Like he never seems to really be fooled by anything. And even if he is, it just seems like he's keeping his bat long enough in the zone to where he like gets the bat on it in some shape or form. So he doesn't strike out or whatever. It's, uh, it's something that you don't really expect from someone at that level, I feel like. And um, something that, you know, is maybe potential for becoming a major leaguer because he has that ability. It's just, putting everything else together with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, bud. I think that those are really great observations. It's very well said. I see, you know, you know, one thing I always tell people uh, when people are like, Hey, I'm going to Palm beach. Who should I keep an eye on? Or uh, Peoria or wherever, who, who's the prospect I should keep an eye on. I, I love the fact that like Malcolm Nunez has stood out to you because I think, I think sometimes the hype, the hype train maybe rolls through 
uh, a little too loud sometimes. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, that's, yeah, that's why I love to tell people when you go to a minor league game, try to go in open-minded. Try to try to go in as each as if each player is both uh, Pete Cosma and Albert Pujols, and just just let the let the noises speak for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Let the players speak for themselves. Yeah, I love that. I love seeing your responses to tweets like that because it's so true. I actually grew up in the Chicagoland area. Um, ah. and I lived actually right by the Kane County Cougars. I don't know if you remember. I think yes. they played in like low A, which was when Peoria or Palm Beach. I don't know. Whenever it switched, I think. Um, but uh, yeah. so I got to go and watch a lot of Kane County Cougars games. And uh, it was always fun to just like watch guys. And you could just tell sometimes there were guys that were just different than everyone else out there. And you're like, that guy is definitely getting uh, past this league. And at least has a shot at the majors. It is a really fun thing to do going to those games. That's see, I love that. That's awesome. You know, for, for me, uh, it was the little, I would go to Springfield more than I would go anywhere. Most of my friends in college were down in Springfield and we'd always go to games. And uh, you know, then I would take little trips here and there, you know, for years afterwards. Uh, but it was, I remember one time I wanted to see uh, co- coincidentally, uh, I wanted to see Nolan Arenado. Uh, he was just starting, you know, he was, he was a highly thought of prospect, but he was just starting to get the buzz that it might be something else. And so my brother, Michael and I went down there and we watched Nolan Arenado and we were keyed in on him. And believe it or not, the guy who stood out that game was Corey Dickerson. <laughs> Dickerson had two home runs. He had loud noise. And to be honest with you, other than, other than just in passing a little bit here and there, I hadn't heard much about Corey Dickerson. So that, that put him on my radar. And now you're talking about a guy who, what, I mean, an eight-year major league career who's been kind of, I mean, he's not doing well for the card. Yeah, we won't talk uh, about he's had, he, Yeah, yeah, this will be the last time we bring up Corey Dickerson ever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, I love the fact that Malcolm Nunez stood out to you that way. And I think that that's, I think we end up finding out more about prospects through that, uh, potentially, if you had a large enough sample than if you uh, if you are just reading Baseball America or Prospects Live or Baseball Prospectus, which isn't to discredit what they do because all of those outlets do amazing work. Uh, again, I will say specifically Prospects Live because I love those guys and our and Jeff Pontus at Baseball America who was at Prospects Live. Uh, it's all like we're at a great time right now to cover prospects and to follow prospects because the the quality is through the roof. But yeah, I, I love the fact that we're getting on the ground reports and not necessarily reports, but from, from people like me or people like you who are just waiting for somebody to grab your attention. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And also selfishly, you feel so much better about yourself when you're actually right about someone. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you get to feel that way all the time with all your dirty flirty prospects that come up and do great things for the Cardinals. Yeah. If I didn't hate myself all the time, I definitely (laughs) feel good about it, but I despise myself. So eat Arby's, good about right? Yeah, eat Arby's. I wish I could be a different way, but I'm not. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's it. Well, what what else, Ethan? Anything else? Um, not anything that I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, cool. I really appreciate you taking the time for us again. I I think I speak on behalf of everyone. We love listening to you talk about prospects and all things about them. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I, I really love this. I uh, I will say again, Ethan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm going to remove you from a speaker. Uh, again, thank you. Uh, and then I guess what I'm going to do for a little bit until we get, I would like to have one more question. Uh, we've been going now for, I think, about 40-ish minutes. 
I would like to have one more question if anybody else has a, a, another question. Um, what I'm going to do right now, because we have a game live that I'm not paying any attention to, uh, I guess we'll, we'll turn on the Memphis game where it looks everything looks waterlogged. And uh, right now Memphis is up 2-1. to one. Uh, Kramer Robertson is up. And uh, like I said, they had like a 45-minute rain delay. might have been like an hour-long rain delay in Memphis. That is part of the reason why Zach Thompson is no longer in. It's probably the only reason why Zach Thompson is no longer in. Uh, and uh, it looks like Alec Burleson's on first. I'm not 100% sure how he got there. I am very, very uninformed. So, uh, yeah, look, that's a, that, I, guess, I guess maybe this is a good oh, – wait, hold on. Burleson has been thrown out trying to steal. Oh, how, what a heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of people ask me about uh, who I think the, the, you know, in 24 hours, the Cardinals have to be down to 26 men. I have a feeling that, you know, if, if you had to guess, you would say it'd be Brendan Donovan and Packy Naughton. But I guess it all depends on uh, Edmund's body right now, how that hip flexor is. They might be uh, reluctant to send uh, Donovan down. And also, you know, uh, he pitched great out of the bullpen, but I'm on board for, and I've said it a bunch, but I'm on board for Andre Pallante getting sent down and put back into the rotation down at Memphis. I think that, uh, you know, the Cardinals, the bullpen is the bullpen. They're going to need help throughout the year. But I think Andre Pallante has pitched pretty damn well. And I also think the Cardinals need as many starting options as possible. I do think, and we talked about it just a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but I do think that the Cardinals have done really well to get a bunch of people up to speed uh, uh, pitcher-wise that might be able to make an impact at the major league level when they're called upon at some point this year. So don't be surprised if we're seeing Connor Thomas or even Zach Thompson, who took such a huge step, uh, or, or even Matthew Libertor when it's time to go to him. And then, you know, in the bullpen, Jake Walsh looks ready. And uh, uh, Angel Rondon looks like he might be able to contribute a couple uh, a couple innings here and there at the major league level. So, uh, you know, we, we've celebrated some of these R, or some of these bats that are hitting. You know, Alec Burleson is mashing. Juan Yepes is mashing. Nolan Gorman is mashing. Uh, and then I have a lot of people ask me about the baseball, which is a touchy subject. Uh, but when you have hitters hitting at that level and pitchers pitching at that level, you feel good about what's going on down on the farm, at least at AAA. Uh, it looks like we have one more question from Fuzzle Light. I'm adding Fuzzle Light as a speaker. Um, I'm anxious to get your question, Fuzzle Light. Uh, you'll probably have to unmic or unmute your mic. Looks like you got the little red guy with the little thing crossed out of it. Uh, Fuzzle Light, my friend, what is your question? Um, I was wondering about Austin Love. It seems like he's been giving up uh, a lot of runs this year. Is it like because he's walking a lot of guys? Is he allowing a lot of hard contact? Like, what's up with him? So, you know, it's fun. I would say that of all the, the pitchers at Peoria, he's the one that I have watched the least. Uh, and when I've watched him, it's when he had the 10 strikeout performance and he was just blowing his hard fastball by hitters. Um, and then it seems to me like he just his second his secondary offering, you know, because he throws a change up and a slider and there's kind of mixed reactions about both of those pitches. Uh, the slider can be really good. The change up can be really good, but it just doesn't seem like he's commanding either of those pitches particularly well or particularly consistent lately. And then, you know, even at even at the A level, the high A or low A level, but in this case, the high A level, uh, a lot of it is. He, if you, if you, all you can do is throw the fastball and you don't really have a secondary offering that you're commanding, then even those guys can, can sit on it and hit it. Um, I, I say that, but then again, in the, like I said, in that, that 10 K performance, 
there wasn't much touching any of his fastball. I mean, it was just so lively and so good, and he was commanding it. But, yeah, like I think I would say that that's what I see more than anything, as uh, rudimentary and as basic as it is with him. It's just his secondary offerings don't look like they're there yet, and he just hasn't had the fastball command to, to go with it, which is such a shame, too. Because, you know, Dionis Rodriguez has pitched so well, uh, relatively speaking. And then you have McGreevy and Graceffa, what they're doing at Peoria. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, I, I, I like to try to give as, as deep and as thoughtful of analysis on it as possible. Uh, when I go back and watch those starts, that's, that's just what I see, which, you know, uh, that's part of the reason why I didn't have him higher than I put him on the dirty flirty uh, this offseason. I was, I was worried about that command. I was worried about... You know, he's kind of a bulky kid, and he has deception in his throwing motion. He kind of comes from the ear. He's got a little bit of Jason Mott in him uh, without, like, the, the, the glove-to-hand hammer. But it's a command issue. And then sometimes, he has, it seems to me, and it's hard to really tell, but it seems to me like he has trouble repeating his delivery. Um, but, you know, I, I think that this is probably the first time that Austin Love has really come across much adversity. And I, I just think that he needs to work through it personally. Uh, you got muted again, Fuzzle Light. Do you have any any additional thoughts or any additional uh, follow up questions that you, that you might want to go over? Again, if you if you have anything to say, you're going to have to unmute yourself. Yeah, no, that answers it. Thanks a lot. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for taking part in this. Uh, again, uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll take you off as uh, removed from speaker. Uh, yes, remove. And then uh, before we close up, I'll say, hey, if anybody has any more questions, please bring them in. Remember, Derek Iowanek, add as a speaker. Uh, Derek, you might get muted. I am taking questions. You are muted, so you have to unmute yourself, bud. It's down there at the bottom in the bottom corner. There we go. Derek, what's up, bud? (laughs) A couple questions. Bring Um, it. Excuse me, and I apologize. I didn't look his name up, the the guy that pitched yesterday for Palm Beach. Can you talk a little bit about him? Uh, Guarte? Yeah, the starter? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. To be honest, he's he's one of those guys that uh, I like. I know his name. Uh, I know his stuff. I have very little knowledge for him. I actually tried to go down the rabbit hole today uh, without asking people about him. Uh, and I, I can find very, very little about him. He was dominant yesterday. And he's done a lot of really great things, but there is not a lot of information about him anywhere. Uh, You know, and of course, as you would suspect, uh, because of how impossible it is to get uh, uh, um, any type of information from what's going on on Palm Beach. Like it has been a tough haul to try to uh, to try to really, you know, narrow it down. Um, so you you win, sir. You win. You get the uh, you get the uh, the special Arby sandwich. Wow. How about uh, Butch Burger for Peoria? Uh, so we we love that Jacob Book Burger. It is in your right. It's Bush Burger. Uh, I'm always going to call him Book Burger, and I'm going to be in, I'm going to be a jackass. But no. So Bush Burger is he's a really interesting kid because he's old for Peoria, right? He's like 25 years old, and uh, he kind of plays really well all over the diamond. But he's kind of a thick. <laughs> Like a thick, strong kid who play, like I said, he'll, he'll play first, he'll play third, he'll play short or second base, doesn't play short, uh, first, second, and third. And he just plays all the position, positions really well. Like he is the classic organizational depth piece that uh, that the, the farm system's kind of been built on for years and years that 
they didn't really have last year. You know, he's raking at Peoria. He's hitting home runs, hitting doubles, stealing some bases. Um, again, being like the catalyst of that offense a lot of times, coming through with some big clutch hits, uh, making some really good defensive plays. But where it gets interesting with him is because he's older at an advanced age, or he's older at a not advanced level, it's hard to really get a feel for how it translates. He is hitting a lot of things hard, and I know that he's been a good resource for the players in Peoria, uh, kind, of, kind of in the team leader mold. Uh, and I know that every night he does something really good. From you know he he's got a a very very compact uh, not complicated at all right handed swing you know I've seen him he he's kind of punched around fastballs and and gone with breaking pitches and you know I, I just it's, he's in kind of a tough spot because he probably shouldn't be at that level uh, but he's doing the most he can with that level. Fair enough. Anybody else, bud? No, I think that's it. Uh, good. Yeah, you know, uh, as we go over this, like, those guys, uh, you know, like, I think uh, uh, Gianluca, uh, we, we talked about him last year, you asked during Prospects After Dark about him, and it's like, it's so hard to get information if you don't explicitly explicitly ask somebody about it. And even then, it's it's it always ends up being, like, you know, the default generic. Um, so, you know, that, that's part of the reason why it's so important to me to be able to see these guys before, like, I, I report on them, before I put them in the dirty. Uh, uh, you know, that, that's why that's why I always try to watch them. Now, if I can, it's like segue from the guy you asked about to a guy that I really like that's at Palm Beach, a guy worth keeping an eye on, is uh, I believe he was either, he was, he was drafted in between, I think Cabell was in the 17th round. I want to say Andres Granillo, uh, was drafted in the 16th round last year, either 16th or 18th. It might have <coughs> Thomas Francisco was 19. Granillo, I want to say, was the 18th round. But the the relief pitcher 14th. down at Pine- 14th. I just looked it Four. up. Uh, Heineke was 13th round. Cabell was 17th round. Uh, who was 15 and 16? Uh, uh, anyways, so yeah, keep an eye on him. He's a high powered. Uh, relief pitching prospect who's probably not going to be at Palm beach very long. Um, I, I, he's one of the guys that we keep a close eye on. You know, he's got a really good breaking pitch. Uh, he has dealt with a little suspension history. Um, and I think he had a back injury at some point last year too. And that's part of the reason why he fell as far as he did. But like uh, of the pitchers there that I've been keeping a close eye on, we talked about Moreno earlier, uh, Inohan Paniagua. We've talked about um, uh, Ludwin Jimenez, uh, Granillo, uh, Hayes Heineke, Chris Gerard, who was the 12th round pick in 2021, uh, signed as a big bonus out of uh, Virginia Tech, I believe. Um, yeah, like he, the, all of those guys are the guys that I'm keeping a close eye on, and I'm excited to see the rest of them. Unfortunately, Palm Beach isn't on television, isn't on MILB TV until I want to say August. Uh, but they, they do play St. Lucie uh, in St. Lucie, and now they have a feed along with Bradenton. So I think we get a little extended look at Palm Beach this year as compared to what we've seen in the past. What about Brian Pope? Well, Brian Pope, is a, he was signed as an undrafted free agent. And again, big numbers, but I think he's hurt. I think they just put him on the IL recently. But uh, Pope has a chance to be like a, a big, powerful uh, uh, guy, but it's just he's probably too talented for the level he's at uh, based on, on, you know, pedigree 
more than anything. Okay, good deal. Awesome. Hey, Derek, it is, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk with you on Twitter, bud, and uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. You too. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right, so we have one more question. Uh, we're going to go to Taylor Cruz. Taylor had a really good question. We had a really good discussion with Taylor last week. Uh, and Taylor, you're going to you're gonna cap this thing off tonight. What's on your mind, my friend? Okay, I just kind of wanted to go over Zach Thompson. So watching Ooh. Zach Thompson a lot this year, I've been seeing his fastball range in like 95 to 97. And you go back last yeah. year, I've seen it as low as 89 miles an hour. Uh, 87. It got 87. down to 87, 86. Okay, yeah. So – the year before, closer to that 93 to 95 range. So he's got he's got a good curveball. The off speed's getting better. The one thing I've noticed this year is with that better fastball, even compared to like Libertor, he probably gets more swing and misses on his fastball. Maybe it's set up better with this curveball. I don't see as many curveballs with Libertor. But is this the real Zach Thompson, or is his velocity going to keep going through these stages of dipping and – it, do you think this is something he can maintain throughout the season, basically, is what I'm asking? Great question. I There are two things that I think are positives that make this uh, something that could stick. One is, towards the end of the year, miraculously, we started to see his, his velocity peak just a little bit. It didn't get up to 95, 96. I think he had one start where it did get up to like 94, 95. But... As like as we got into the last month of the season, he was kind of back up to 90, 91, 92, uh, as opposed to where he was for the majority of the season, which was that 86 to 89, maybe topping out at 91. So I think everything was trending right. I think that that's one of the casualties, the velocity. I think that's one of the casualties that comes with having an entire year off uh, that COVID year. And, you know, I think I don't even remember at this point, but I think he was at summer camp, uh, even if he was, even if he wasn't like. It's, it shouldn't really matter. I just think he was as much as you could prep yourself, he just wasn't ready for the rigors of a minor league season. Uh, and it just, it didn't, it didn't manifest and it hurt him. But I do, I, I think that it is something that can stay. I'll be honest with you. Uh, part of the reason why I wanted to see his start today, uh, not only because it's, uh, you know, he's exciting now. Uh, like he was like, he's as exciting now as we always hoped he would be. But part of the reason I wanted to see his start today is it's the first time he started twice in a week. And I wanted to see what that velocity would be. And his velocity was exactly what we hoped it would be. It was 95-96 in those first two innings. I'm bummed that we didn't get more. I'm bummed that the rain came into Memphis and ruined that start. Because I think that as we got into the fifth, potentially sixth inning, uh, we would have been able to get a good idea of exactly what his command looks like. Um, you know, that extra built-in day of rest, I think uh, – you know, might help hide some of the concerns that we might have otherwise. Uh, I also wonder if it really works to benefit the prospects. Um, you know, it's something I haven't really talked to many of them about, and it's something I think I'm going to start inquiring about a little bit. But I, uh, I do think it is. It's just with the history of arm concerns that he has, again, it's the difference between arm problems and arm concerns. There's definitely a little extra concern that comes with that arm and the velocity and its ability to stay healthy. So, uh, you know, I, if, if I was going to hedge, I'll say everything looks good right now. You know, he's not slowing his arm down to throw his breaking pitch. He's commanding his fastball pretty well. He's not slowing down. He's not getting frustrated with himself when he's not hitting his spots. Uh, it just everything looks right for him right now. And uh, I hope it stays that way. 
Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I, I just kind of wonder because like when I look at this Zach Thompson, like I see someone who he has probably a ceiling right where Libertor is, if not maybe a little higher, because again, I feel like he's got a little more swing and miss on his fastball. Yeah. And I, I just, I hope that's the one we keep seeing going forward. Man, me too. Me too. You know, I think, I think the, the debate with the two of those guys and, you know, my hope is that they both stay kind of connected with each other. If they stay kind of connected with each other, like we're talking about them right now, that means they're both still going really well. Or I guess it could also mean that they both hit a wall and they're both terrible, but more than likely they both continue to do well. I, to me, I think you nailed it with Thompson. I think his fastball is better. I think it's more explosive. And I think because of, and he doesn't throw his change up much, uh, but he was using it late in his start on Tuesday, and I thought that was really impressive. I think you got a couple, uh, you got at least one strikeout with it, got a couple swings and misses with it. Uh, but I think his fastball is more lively. It's just that with Libertor, he has so much, you know, like he doesn't need to throw the curve all that often, but if he wants to use it a lot in a start against righties and then never use it again against righties, he's going to get swings, uh, swings and misses. And he's going to get people looking for it in other starts. And it's kind of the same way with the slider and the changeup. You know, for him, and this is where I always get a little worried about the Cardinals and Libertor, and we talked about it a lot. You know, I think that what we've seen out of, and this is not to, this is not to say uh, Andrew Kisner is God. He's got plenty to work on. I mean, more to work on than probably, you know, probably even I feel comfortable talking about. Uh, but one thing that I feel like we've seen is we've seen kids, even with relief pitchers, go to a, a pitcher's third offering. You know, we had never we had never really seen Gallegos' Gai, changeup. We had never seen Jordan Hicks' changeup or his curveball. We have never really seen, and you know what, every once in a while, we've never really seen what Ryan Helsley can do besides uh, the cutter and fastball, except for a little bit of added curve before he went down with the knee. And what I feel like we're seeing with the Andrew Kisner is Kisner's kind of calling additional pitches. And I think for somebody like Libertor, I think that's good. I think if Libertor is using his entire arsenal and maybe his entire arsenal more than his fastball, using his fastball to set up everything, uh, I think I think that's where he's really going to play. Where my concern with him has always been, okay, when he gets to the Cardinals, is he going to end up just being a guy who gets banged because he is throwing his fastball 60% of the time and it should not be thrown that much unless he just has hitters off balance with everything else? So... I do think, like, I think the key with Libertor, to your point, where, like, Zach Thompson, if his fastball is as good and as lively as he has shown it to be this year, then he's going to be able to get away with some stuff at the major league level, probably, uh, especially if he's playing that curve and the changeup, where I'm not sure if that's the case with Libertor. I don't know if Libertor's fastball, even, like, even uh, Friday, in a start on Friday, I went back and watched that. It was lively. It was lively, and when he was going change-up, curveball, slider, slider, change-up, curveball, and then polishing off with the fastball, hitters didn't know what to do with it. Uh, and it also looks like it has more life on it because all you're seeing it in is contrast to a lot of junk. And I think that's where he's at his best. So I think, I think you're right. I think the, you know, the other question is because of how lively that, that fastball is and how much he's in command of his breaking stuff, uh, does is Thompson seem more set for a relief role, which I could see happening too. Uh, I worry about his arm's ability to hold up under the rigors of relief, getting up and down, pitching twice every five days. Like I, I do worry about that, but uh, you know the 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 unfortunate thing with Zach Thompson 
even though he has the potential and he's starting to show this elite talent with his arm. But, you know, the sad thing about Zach Thompson is he's older. You know, he's 25 already, I think. He's either, you know, late 24 or 25. And, you know, granted, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience because of what 2020 did, losing that entire season. But, you know, there isn't as much of a reason to hold the reins back on him, um, you know, if, if he's knocking on the door. So, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that, that, those are my long and rant-like thoughts on that whole situation. Uh, what do you think, Taylor? Oh, I agree with you. I would say for for uh, Liberator, the huge thing for him is his slider. Uh, yeah. I think the better he gets with that slider, the more it keeps people off of his fastball. And he obviously has a really sharp curveball, so anytime you can use that curveball and get people guessing on that, it's going to be a good pitch for him. But I think with Liberator, the biggest – just continual growth for him is going to be locating that slider in on righties. And I, I think you'll probably see it less on lefties, but just using that in on righties, get it on their hands. I think that'll be big on him. And since you mentioned Kisner, I just have to say, just watching the game, watching people take at bats. One of the most like on balance people I see on our team right now is Kisner when he's taking at bats. It seems like he's never just lunging off. Like if you watch Dylan Carlson, it seems like yeah. he's just, jumping at everything right now but kisner he just seems really quiet he's having great takes so i just have to give kisner props even if he's not a prospect anymore <laughs> yeah and his his swing is simple and it's compact and he's he's just like today he fought off that single you know it's he's just letting the bat do the work so yeah no that's that's awesome it's been really encouraging to see you know this is the first time that your casual that your base your st louis cardinal fan has gotten a chance to see what we saw out of andrew kisner at the minor league level and, uh, you know, I, I see Kareem in here. Kareem's right. He's still kind of sh- kind of trash when it comes to uh, um, uh, framing, which is something he needs to get better at. But we say that, you know, we could be a year away from the ABS system. You know, we could be two years away from the ABS system. So maybe he doesn't. Uh, he probably does. He, I mean, it would be nice if he got better. But I, you know, I also know from talking with people that his defense is grading out higher internally than, than what the uh, – available data suggests. And we also know from extensive research that the available data when it comes to catchers is probably the most inaccurate of all the available defensive data because it's so hard to quantify exactly what's going on. There are too many variables there, you know, even when you're talking about uh, uh, talking about framing. And I know this because I just had a really long conversation about it. But uh, yeah, like this is it's really cool to see Andrew Kisner becoming the major leaguer that we thought he could be with, with definitely more to show in the process. So yeah, big hat tip to him. He's, he's one of our prospects, you know? Yeah. And I would say too, even with him being not great at framing, one thing I've noticed is the low pitch. I feel like he's doing a lot better this year with lower pitches where I think he was very bad in the past. And I can like consider like uh, just especially seeing like, him catching Reyes last year, anytime I would see him catching Reyes, I would like almost be like looking through like fingers blocking my eyes because I'd be scared mm-hmm. just kind of watching how bad it would be with that, which Reyes has got to be tough for anyone to catch. But yeah, he, I think he's definitely improving and especially on that low pitch. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I think I even think the outside pitch to lefties, I think he was really bad with that. And I don't like he might not be getting the strike calls with it, but it is so much smoother than it was. You know, he he definitely made a dumb knucklehead play, trying to do too much, you know, threw the ball away at second. 
but other than that, you know, that's to be expected with a guy who's just trying to make an impression, who never really got an opportunity and is now finally getting a little bit of an opportunity. But uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, th- I think it all checks out. Taylor, do you have anything else, brother? Nope, I think that's all I got. Awesome. Well, again, thank you. It was a pleasure talking it over with you. Uh, I'm going to remove you from speaker. And I guess we've been doing this now for longer than I thought we would. Uh, but I'm glad we did. And it's been a pleasure to have everybody in here talking it out. Again, my plan is to do this every Sunday. Uh, it's it's actually pretty easy for me to do. Uh, I would do pad more, but the problem is I have a real job. And uh, because of the frantic nature of Prospects After Dark, it's hard for me to like commit that much energy uh, to it and then uh, like continue to live a normal life. So uh, we'll still do both. We'll still do... Uh, we'll still do Prospects After Dark every once in a while if things get fun. And my goal is to do this every Sunday between sometime between 5 and 6 uh, to kind of wrap up the minor leagues. And I hope that you guys continue to participate because my goal is to make this the Prospect Macarena uh, for Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark and the Charlie Marlowe YouTube Network. Uh, my goal is to make this as interactive and as much of your show as Pad was. Uh, so again, uh, for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, uh, thank you for taking part in the Prospect Macarena on May 1st, 2022. I hope everybody has a great week uh, to another great week on the farm.